Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate. This is Eric Brotman, your host, and this is episode one of season two. It's your sophomore year, and we're ready to work towards graduating into retirement with a very special guest today. Jamie Hayes, a Salisbury University graduate, a longtime resident of the Eastern Shore of Maryland, and the president of Junior Achievement of the Eastern Shore since February of 2007 is with us today, and I couldn't be more excited to learn so much from her. Jamie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. So, Jamie, we've we've known each other a very long time, I, and and yet in your bio, I saw a bunch of things that I didn't know about you, which I'm <laughs> excited to to talk about, including the black belt. Can we at least begin with that? Because I'm feeling I'm feeling like there's a story behind that. Yeah, don't mess up today, or you're in big trouble. I'm already uh, nervous. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Uh, yes, my family owned a series of martial arts studios um, around the Baltimore area. So I grew up in in martial arts studios and got my black belt um, my sophomore year of high school and uh, continued on for a couple more years, but don't actively practice now, but I can still put a hurting on you. I was going to say, it'll come back to you like riding a bike, right? Exactly, exactly. So, so I want to talk about junior achievement. I want to talk especially about the need for financial literacy in the United States among young people, although also amongst uh, adult people. Um, but I'd like to start with a little bit of your background and, and how you became passionate about those topics. If you could share with our audience uh, a little bit about your professional trajectory and, and how you got involved in such a, a remarkable organization. Absolutely. So I started out as a donor of Junior Achievement, actually. I owned a restaurant previously, and um, the previous president came into my facility and talked about what Junior Achievement was doing, and I just thought, this is amazing. This is what um, every student in America uh, should be able to learn and, and own their own economic future. Uh, so I donated first, which I think is a really cool story, is that I believed in the mission wholeheartedly uh, before um, I ended up selling my restaurant and they had an opening and I thought to myself, well, I'm not sure what I want to do and I've never been in the nonprofit realm. So I'll try it out. 13 years later, I'm still here and I love everything that we do. I'm, I'm extremely passionate about the mission. Let's talk about the mission because I'm not sure all of our listeners are familiar with Junior Achievement. Um, Junior Achievement's a household name at my house and at our office, but maybe not with with everyone listening. Can you tell us a little bit about the nonprofit? Right. So we we partner with uh, local schools, and we we like to consider ourselves sort of an arm out into the business community. So we are out there at ribbon cuttings, talking to business owners about their workforce needs, and what are people saying that students aren't aren't prepared for? And obviously, one of the number one things is being financially literate. So we work with the school systems. We develop curriculum, uh, which is why our schools love junior achievements so much is we're not just sending in um, someone to talk about their opinion. We have a curriculum and uh, very hands-on, interactive, exciting, experiential learning. So the kids love it when we come into the classroom as well. But we teach um, entrepreneurship, which is actually how I got involved in the organization. Uh, workforce development, which is a huge, huge discussion right now, especially in the skilled trade world. And then obviously financial education, uh, 2007, 2008, while most nonprofits were dropping and their, you know, gifts coming to their, you know, organization, we actually 
increased and have increased exponentially every single year. And it just proves that the community wants and needs to support an organization like Junior Achievement that's, that's talking about financial education. One of the, the biggest impediments to a successful, and I, I put successful in quotes, retirement, and we can put retirement in quotes too while we're at it, but one of the impediments to a successful retirement is the, the wherewithal to build financial independence. And it's, it's, I don't think it's around earnings, particularly in Maryland. I mean, we're the highest income state in the United States, but around the, the idea of how much you keep rather than how much you spend and how to do that. So tell me a little bit about the curriculum specifically to um, I, I, maybe soup to nuts. Begin with sort of the, the breakdown of what these young people are learning, um, because I suspect most of them aren't learning it at home. I don't know about you, but I, I didn't learn financial lessons at home other than by watching. And most of them were things not to do. Right. So unfortunately, financial conversations have become the, you know, the old saying of the, the birds and the bees. <laughs> so J- Jamie, this a- show is this show is for all ages. It's a PG show. <laughs> So a lot of times parents are so scared to talk to their kids about money. Either they don't feel confident enough in their understanding of of, um, finances or uh, they don't know how to talk to their kids about money. And maybe they're a little embarrassed. Maybe, you know, uh, they are living paycheck to paycheck. So doing bills in front of their, their children might, you know, make them a little uncomfortable. Um, and, and when you were speaking before about having the opportunity to sort of, um, you know, be financially independent, you know, uh, millionaires, people who win the lottery claim bankruptcy all the time. And so it has nothing to do with the amount of money. It is absolutely 100% about budgeting and living within your means and understanding what that really means. Um, but I think to your point is a lot of the students that we are educating come from a low income background. So their parents might not be working or, you know, the students haven't had an opportunity to even see what a fiscally responsible household looks like. So, you know, for us to go into the schools, it's so important. And, you know, I hear all the time like, oh, the parents should be teaching it. Oh, the teachers should be teaching it. We should all be teaching it. This is should be all hands on deck. The parents should be involved. The teachers should be involved. Volunteers um, and business members like yourself should be involved. Everyone should be involved. And we start in kindergarten. We do kindergarten through 12th grade. And we start implementing concepts as early as just understanding economics and what money is used for. You know, kids today only see credit cards. I relate it to like a physical, psychological, you know, gift when you used to get that $20 in your birthday card and you would hold it and go to the store and you'd only get $10 back and you were sort of like, was it worth that $10? (laughs) But kids don't have that exchange of cash. So there's no psychological giving up of funds. It's sort of this magical little plastic card that swipes and it's just an endless um, amount of money. Of course, mine mine is not endless, but um, I think kids need to see economics from an early age and understand it from a very simple concept as what is a dollar and understanding a value of a dollar and appreciating the value of a dollar before we can even build on that. And obviously through our middle school and high school programs that get much more complicated and understanding accounting and taxes and um, 401ks, retirement planning, credit scores, life is complicated and we need to start as early as possible. So yeah, yeah kindergarten through 12th grade. I, well, I, I certainly agree with you. Starting early makes sense. And there's, 
it is complicated. I mean, there's a lot of folks who try and do this themselves and some, some with varying degrees of success. Um, others who hire consultants or advisors or coaches or, um, or, or who look into other resources. And of course, there's a different level of uh, available service provider based on your own net worth and your own availability of capital. So, you know, wealthier families have access often to better financial resources and better financial education and potentially even better financial advice than less wealthy families, um, which may just perpetuate a problem. Um, so right. the fact that you're bringing this to, to folks at, at every income level, but particularly at, at an income level where, um, where this is maybe more of a struggle um, is, is critically important. Um, do you think kids also, I mean, kids see their parents fight sometimes, unfortunately, adult people in relationships fight occasionally. And the things people tend to fight about in marriages are kids and money. And so I wonder if, if young people see their parents fight about money, if that's partly why it becomes taboo. I totally agree with you. You know, what's interesting is money is something you will think about every single day for the rest of your life until you die. And yet it is not um, sort of the top thing that, that is, is talked about at schools. And a lot of times it's not because schools don't believe in financial literacy, which is sort of what the outside world thinks. It's just that there's so many other mandates that they have to accomplish, you know, adding financial literacy and finding time in the, the classroom day makes it difficult. But you're right, if they hear their parents um, fighting, it, it starts off a negative feeling about money, that money is a negative thing. And it can it can be very freeing. So to look at it as a negative thing is not a really great way to start life out. Um, and that's why I kind of go back to my point is that if parents can can be open about money and themselves not be scared to talk about it with their children or their spouse, you know, if you're in a financial distress and it causes fighting, a lot of times the husband and wife don't necessarily talk about the funds and there's a lot of, you know, again, negativity around it and kids absolutely feel it. So if you don't talk about it, they're creating in their in their mind their own story. So if you don't talk to them about it, you have no idea what they're creating in their head. And, and it, could, it could set them up for future failure, having a negative, um, you know, look at money. So um, I think it's important that everyone is very open and communicative about what goes on financially. So mistakes that are made with money usually are not insurmountable. They're things you can recover from. There have been folks who have had gambling issues or, or bankruptcy issues uh, and foreclosures who rebuild their credit and get back on their feet. So it's not necessarily an insurmountable climb, but it sure does help to be, to be on a solid footing from go. And I wonder if we're doing a disservice to our, uh, a whole generation of folks who are um, going into massive student debt to get undergraduate degrees, preparing them for careers that may not even exist in 10 years. Um, I, I just wonder if at some point that whole conversation has to change um, in academia. Is that something that, that you see going beyond that 12th grade? Yeah, I think um, kids, again, students, as they enter into um, college, college has gotten so expensive. And I think parents are sort of um, taking a step back and saying you're you're responsible for your education, which is actually a really great thing. However, if you don't understand the terms or don't understand, um, 
you know, interest and how that all works, um, they they can get really behind really quickly. And and I'm sure you know, once you get behind, it is really hard to catch up. Um, you can, but you have to you have to be on top of it. You know, I think it's unfortunate that our community sort of pushes college so much because college isn't for everyone. I think some people, yes, you know, college is great. Um, I certainly loved it. Um, but for other people, it might not be for them. And there's amazing jobs out there in the skilled tra- trade world uh, that are very good paying. There's apprenticeship programs with zero college debt. Do I think that that people should not go to college? Absolutely not. But if it's not for you, then there's still there's still success out there and a way for you to provide for your family at a very comfortable level, you know, through skilled trade and other things and not just skilled trade, but there's other apprenticeships and other opportunities out there without going into student debt. Um, but that stress for those students is uh, is is unbelievable. So what do we need to do as a community or even as a society to remove some of the stigmas around alternative paths of learning that not everyone necessarily has the same learning style or uh, or needs the same college preparatory or or undergraduate experience? What, what What do we have to do to make that not feel taboo? You know, we've created a, a world where it, it feels like everyone needs to go to college or they're not going to get a job. And yet the fact is, that's not entirely true. And the undergraduate degree has become less valuable and more expensive simultaneously by an exponential amount over the last decade or two. Yeah. So junior achievement, um, we have a, a strategy plan. And, um, you know, one of the things that we're focused on right now is perception. Um, so a lot of that is perception as a parent, and I will be the first to admit that if either of my daughters came to me and told me they didn't want to go to college, that they wanted to do, um, you know, something else, my first initial reaction would be negative. I would, in my head, because I have been, you know, <laughs> ingrained into my brain that you have to go to college to be successful, my first initial reaction would be, no, 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 you really should go to college, but... At the same time, I am educated enough to know from, um, you know, skilled trade and other apprenticeship programs that are out there, there are many, many, many careers out there that are paying much more than a college graduate, much more and with no debt. So even though I know that there's a perception problem and I know that the school's have to be very careful because if they look like they're promoting not going to college, can you imagine the uproar of parents? So for junior achievement, we sort of took it upon ourselves. We have a JA Inspire, which is like a career exploration program. It's for students, but this year we are opening up a day early to bring parents through. And the parents will get to interact with the exhibitors and the different careers and find out, hey, plumbers can start at $65,000, $75,000 with no college debt. HVAC, over $100,000. And there's so many jobs out there and available. You know, as the parents walk around, we hope that we are sort of helping that perception piece so that parents can feel more comfortable and confident in, in their, their child's choice of careers. Um, and, and know that you may go into something that's an apprenticeship that doesn't require a college degree, but guess what? Maybe you want to be an owner someday and you go back to college to learn about accounting and business and whatever that might be. I, you know, 
when I opened up my restaurant, I had already graduated, but I went back and retook some of the classes because it had connected with me so much to be a business owner. So I think if we can change the perception of parents and the business community in general, I think that would be a huge thing for our students. And let's let's support them and kind of surround them with other opportunities and be, you know, supportive of whatever their choice is. You you took the words right out of my mouth when you when you transitioned from the alternate career paths or the, the divergent career paths with the entrepreneurship take where yeah. someone can can learn a trade um, or learn a service and then build a business around it and could wind up employing five or 10 or 50 people in that trade um, and can make one heck of a living. Um, I mean, beyond a lot of people's wildest dreams without necessarily a degree program. You don't need a bachelor of arts degree to figure that out. You may want to do certificate programs. You may want to do specific entrepreneur courses uh, or accounting courses or management courses or other types of things. But you don't necessarily have to, to check the 36 course, you know, boxes right. in order to do that. And, and, you know, some of the most successful people ever didn't go to college. And, and again, I, I don't want to sit here and promote that college is somehow a bad thing. I, I just don't know that it's for everyone. Um, and I definitely don't think that spending a fortune on an undergraduate program is, is – I, I just don't think it's a, there's a good ROI. Let's talk about it from a business perspective. Depending on what you want to major, I mean, the, the, the various U.S. News and World Reports and Wall Street Journal and all the different publications are now not only talking about which, uh, which colleges are strongest academically, and they're not only talking about which ones are best for various types of, of students, but now they're talking about what's the ROI? What is the, you know, which majors make the most sense? You know, right. there's a dramatic difference. There are, there are folks who get master's degrees um, in education and in uh, social work and in other types of very important fields, but those degrees don't have to be expensive in order to, to, to gain that education because I'm not sure that you get the same return on a social work degree as you do with a finance degree, for example. Right. And I, I always think, you know, my heart goes out to all the students that either their parents who unfortunately uh, have said to their kids, you know, I came from a household with a, you know, single mom and she kind of prepped me. I may not be able to pay for college. So you need to figure it out if you want to go to college. And there are so many parents out there that, you know, either are forced to sort of remind their children, like there might not be money for you to go to college. And that feeling of all those students that might say to themselves that college isn't for them or, you know, they don't have the money to, to, you know, have the opportunity to go to college? Or what about the kids that just don't want to go to college, that the educational realm is not for them? Like sitting in a classroom and staring at someone talk to them for a couple hours a day is just not who they are. But isn't it unfortunate that we sort of look down on them when they, like you said, there are many people that that didn't go to college and are extremely successful. So why can't we wrap our arms around them and say, that's okay, but... You have to do something. If we if if we're going to say to them, oh, you need to go to college, you need to go to college, and they don't, and we fluff them off, we're just kind of perpetuating a problem where now they feel 
completely, you know, low self-esteem and they're not excited about their future and they they just, you know, expect they're going to get some ho-hum job and make a little bit of money and that's the life that they'll live. Or we can inspire them early enough to know that that's fine. If you don't want to go to college, that's fine. But guess what? You have to be able to pay the bills. You have to be able to eat. You have to be able to buy a house or, you know, rent or whatever, you know, that might be. But let's let's put our arms around those students and say, let's find something that you love, that you can be passionate about and successful at and make your life very comfortable. Because I don't know that students truly, truly understand the economic burden and the burden it would feel every month to be trying to find funds to feed your family or to pay the bills or to keep that water bill on. It is a, a such a strong burden. And kids are, remember, they're disconnected from money. They're just seeing credit cards or they're coming from families that don't use money at all. Um, so for them, it's, it's a disconnect. And if we can allow them in one of our classes, our finance park class, allow them to pretend to have a budget and buy a house and, and, you know, use money and feel like, oh man, I can't have cable. I can't have the nice car. I can't do this. If we can let them feel and understand that earlier, then they'll make better decisions for the future. And, and it's all of us that should be concerned about that because when they're not working, or they're not able to pay their bills, it's the other people that are helping them along. And so it's everyone's problem and everyone needs to be a part of the solution. Let's, uh, you're absolutely right. Let, let's shift gears a little bit. You, you served on the board of the Salisbury Chamber of Commerce and specifically you were involved with uh, the Workforce Development Committee. And workforce development has become a buzzword or two words. Um, can you explain sort of what that what the purpose of that committee was and what workforce development is and how it differs from apprenticeships or job training or or some some of those things that might be more in a vacuum? Right. So I serve on a couple different workforce boards and and we're very blessed that the chambers, at least for sure here on the Eastern Shore, I know the Maryland State uh, Chamber of Commerce um, has an entire website on workforce development. And what's interesting to me is, I joined it because I felt like every time I talked to a donor um, who was a business owner would say to me, you know, these kids aren't ready. These kids aren't prepared. They constantly were complaining. And all I kept thinking about was, okay, well, what are you doing about it? I mean, you know, are we just going to sort of talk about it? So I joined the workforce board and my intention was to find out what the needs of the workforce community was and then package that up in a curriculum and bring it into the classroom and sort of connect business and education and so um, that's really what that that group does is they identify, you know, either statewide issues, obviously, um, minimum wage was a big discussion there for a little while. But they also talk about soft skills, or they talk about, um, you know, students not being able to fill out a job application, or um, students not being able to, you know, understand benefits, uh, when they sit down and, and the employer says, Oh, we're going to give you $35,000 a year. And here's your benefits package. The kids have or students as they're graduating, have no idea what that even means. So a lot of it is just identifying what the gaps are in the community and then working to kind of bring that into the classroom. And that's really where JA Inspire came from, mainly because skilled trade 
the agricultural community, which is big here on the Eastern Shore and, and big for Maryland, and uh, teachers. I mean, we have a serious, serious problem with with people going into to education. And, you know, there's many, many, many reasons for it. But what can we do to fix it? Instead of complaining about it, what can we all do collectively as a community to fix those problems? So, you know, if you have a chamber in your area, it's certainly a great committee to join and um, really get involved in how, how you can stop complaining about it and how you can be a part of the solution and come up with the ideas that can really help our students be successful and continue to make Maryland thrive. So, Jamie, let me let me put you on the spot, because what could be more fun uh, than putting you on the spot right now? What is your retirement plan? When you graduate, what does that look like? I don't mean quantifiably, but what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm not sure what I want to be when I grow up. I love what I'm doing now, but uh, my retirement plan, I put you know money away monthly into a retirement plan, and I make sure that I pay myself first. So that goes first and whatever's left over kind of gets delegated out to my bills. Now I do have a budget, so I know what those bills will look like monthly, but I was really unfortunate and lucky at the same time to have a single mom who just said to me, whatever you do, start putting money away as early as possible because, you know, luckily she did very well for herself later on, but she was always worried about that. Who was going to help? help take care of her when she was older and and how was she going to pay after you know she retires and there's 20 years that she still needs money for food and housing and things like that so i was i was told very early to save money so i was you know sort of lucky and my mom never had credit cards so i always saw cash and the transaction and i i paid my bills or my mom's bills with her every month i sat down and she would talk about this is how much is in mom's bank account. Here's our bills and we're going to pay it. Then here's what's left over. And she mainly did that. So we would stop asking to go to the movies or stop asking to go, you know, get a new pair of jeans all the time. Um, So yeah, I was very lucky um, that my mom, you know, made money sort of the forefront of our discussion. Well, that is that is great. And I encourage you to think about um, what you want to be when you grow up, uh, you know, it, first of all, growing up is a trap, so you should avoid it at all costs. But if you <laughs> must grow up, at least think of what you want to do um, in your next chapter of life. Um, I can tell you that that mine is is fleshing out uh, as a part of this this program, as a part of this idea of not retiring, but graduating. And for me, it involves coaching and consulting and speaking and and living at the shore. So you will, our paths are going to cross because I, I expect to be on the other side of the big bridge in a matter of years. So that's exciting stuff. So it's time in our show for you to provide our listeners with an extra credit assignment. The one takeaway that from spending the last 25, 30 minutes with you, the one takeaway that folks can say, Jamie Hayes says that we need to do X. What would that one thing be to help folks reach financial independence uh, and graduate into retirement? What would be first? Start now. If you haven't started, start now, whether that's putting money away for yourself, start now by getting involved with other, you know, organizations such as Junior Achievement, you know, just start now. Stop talking about it. Stop thinking about it. You know, don't stop listening to this podcast, but don't listen to this podcast and think, oh, I should do this. But just start now. Stop waiting and start now. The longer you wait, the worse it's going to be. So get involved, educate yourself, take in everything, but but start now. Start right away. 
sage advice. Um, how can folks get in touch with you if they'd like to, to learn more about Junior Achievement of the Eastern Shore or if they'd like to, to follow up with you and get in touch personally? Yeah, absolutely. You can always go to our website, easternshoreja.org, where you can find us on Facebook, Junior Achievement of the Eastern Shore, and contact us uh, through either of those means. We're extremely active on all of those. I'm also on LinkedIn with Junior Achievement of the Eastern Shore or Jamie Hayes. So either way, you can reach out to us. You can get involved. If you go to juniorachievement.org, you can find any junior achievement near you. You know, So if you're on the other side of the bridge, unless you want to come visit us over here, you can find something on your side of the bridge to get involved with. Very good. And just to be clear, Junior Achievement is nationwide, correct? It's international. Yep, absolutely. We're everywhere. Very good. So if if the idea of financial literacy education is important to you and your children or family members uh, and your community and your business, JuniorAchievement.org is a, a first stop no matter where you live. Jamie, thank you for being a guest on Don't Retire, Graduate. You've been a, a magnificent guest and a great way to start our second season. Thank you so much for having me. For more, check out our website at DontRetireGraduate.com or visit the BFG Financial Advisors website at BFGFA.com. And remember, in April 2020, our new book, Don't Retire, Graduate, will be out at all the major retailers and we'll be having a pre-sale and trying to get some folks excited about it. You'll hear more about it in future episodes. We'll be back in two weeks with another engaging guest. And so until then, this is Eric Brotman, your host, saying don't retire, graduate. From this day forward, let us begin visualizing our dreams and building our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website at don'tretiregraduate.com to subscribe. And please like us and post comments on social media. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.